we're doing our series on prayer, we're on that journey now of kind of hopefully going through a time of renewal in our own personal life, uh, of stirring up and determining that we're going to be a person of, of prayer. And uh, so we're talking about this. We have been mentioning about the personal time. We've mentioned the Lord's Prayer. We have been given so much from the Lord on how to pray and that we're not alone, that the Lord can help us be people of prayer too. But uh, this morning we're going to do something a little bit different in the sense that uh, we're going to have a little tag team preaching. In other words, I'm going to preach for a little bit on a, partic on a particular part of our subject this morning. And then Pastor Jim Kafaro, uh, he's going to team up with me this morning and uh, do some things in the middle. And then I'll come back up and, and uh, conclude some things. But um, I am trusting and hoping and believing that you will have a revival, a renewal in your prayer life, that you would feel empowered again. Because I think a lot of times God's people runs around feeling like, I'm, I don't know how to pray. I'm not sure my prayers matter. Uh, I, don't, I really don't know. I mean, who am I? Who am I? So <clears throat> the title of the message today is called, What Can I Do About It? What can I do about it? And yet you, you and I are the very ones that God... God himself calls upon you. He calls you to pray. He calls you to come up, step up, and be the answer in your prayers. So sometimes when we see everything going on around us, do you feel a little bit overwhelmed? If you were to be honest, when we that's why sometimes you just got to, step back from the news and the media and everything because when you look at that, you go, what in the world is going on? And what in the world can, can little old me do about it? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today and preach and exhort and encourage and hopefully empower you and impart to you a faith that there's a lot you can do about it. Because with you and God, we're a majority. We're a majority. So the first thing I want to say about this is that it's not about who you are. It's about who he is. It's about who he is. Now, I know I'm only uh, targeting maybe people in sports on this. If you're familiar with ESPN or you've watched Monday Night Football for years, there's been different, uh, different analysts and announcers on there. There's one guy by the name of Chris Berman. Some of you heard of Chris Berman? He was a guy that during halftime, he would give the highlights of all the football games over the weekend. He would do it on Monday night during Monday night football halftime. And it became, 
it was a coined phrase, and it was a, it was a statement that it was the fastest three minutes in television. Remember that? Chris Berman gives the fastest three minutes on television. So I'm going to do a Chris Berman thing. <laughs> I'm going to do a Chris Berman thing on reading some scriptures on it's not about you, it's about who he is, who God is. So let's, let's go there. You ready? Are some of you setting your stopwatch? I actually timed this. It's under three minutes. All right, but I don't want you to get so caught up in the time thing that you don't hear. Because these scriptures are going to speak to us today that God, how great and powerful and sovereign God is to encourage you that you can do a lot with this, with our God. All right, here we go. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Psalm 115, 3. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. 35.6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and earth. Colossians 1.16, for it's by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Isaiah 25, 8, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people, he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 46, 9, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning from the ancient time things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure Job 42 1 Job answered the Lord and said I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you 2nd Chronicles 20 oh Lord God of our fathers are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations and in your hands is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you Isaiah 43 therefore you you are my witnesses says the Lord that I am God indeed before the day was I am he and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand I work and who will reverse it Nehemiah 9 says you alone are the Lord you have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their hosts the earth and everything on it the seas and all that is in them and you preserve them all the hosts of heaven worships you yeah. hallelujah hallelujah if that doesn't inspire us to pray and believe God 
that understand no matter what, it's not about you, it's all about him and that he's in charge and, <laughs> and his plan is going to be fulfilled. Yes, it is. But it is an amazing thing that God actually partners with us. He partners with us. He calls us out and he wants his people to pray. And really it's his people who are the only ones who are qualified. Qualified to, to demand the attention of God and to get his will to come and be done. So what can we do about it? We know that Jesus taught us to pray and we talked about the Lord's Prayer and he, he showed us how to pray, what to pray. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul also spoke to the churches and did that too. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 8, I urge you, first of all, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. For there is one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Verse 8 says, In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger, and controversy. That's a purity of heart right there. So yes, we know. I don't need to get up here. I would be preaching to the choir big time if I told you how bad things are. Oh, how terrible it looks. How bad it is. How much trouble we're really in. And yet God calls us to step up on behalf of, in front of, between. That's what this message is about. It's, it's a word of prayer called intercession. You've heard that, haven't you? Intercession. That sounds like a, sometimes we put that, that kind of thing on a real high pedestal, you know, and said, I'm not one of those. I can't do that. Let me ask you something. If you were walking your two-year-old down the street, and you're holding on to that two-year-old, you're walking down the street, and there is a dog across the street. And all of a sudden, that dog has turned aggressive and violent, and he shoots across that street. What are you going to do? you're going to jump in the middle. You're going to jump in front of. You're going to position yourself in between. That if that dog's going to take 
something, it's going to be you before that little toddler. Right? That's called intercession. That's called coming in between. That's called you standing in the middle, standing in the gap, and going for it. And I want you to believe and know that every one of us can do this and be this. To be that watchman on the wall. To be that intercessor. To be that one that stands in the gap. You don't, you don't need a gift to do that. Because I do want to dispel what has been said a lot through the body of Christ sometimes when it comes to this. Very popular authors, and I'm just going to give you my little humble opinion. And that is that intercession is not a gift. Intercession is a calling. It's simply a calling. In other words, an invitation. And sometimes, you don't need invitation. Like I said, if that dog's going to attack that little two-year-old, you don't need an invitation, do you? You respond. You are called upon. Even by the enemy himself, he is calling you out. And you come out and you do it. You just do it. So let's know this today, that intercession, would you please dispel that and realize that this is for everyone. Just like prayer is for everyone, intercession is for everyone. It's the very nature of the body of Christ when it comes to our prayer life. There's a reason Jesus said, my house, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And under that umbrella, of course, what are you going to pray for when you get when you run out of gas praying for yourself? Do you know how long it takes to pray for yourself? I've got a very short list. But I'm telling you, intercession. When it comes to intercession, and then it's no longer about you, but it's beyond you, then I'm telling you it is limitless. And the Holy Spirit blows upon it, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's saying, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray through you. It's amazing. So when Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all four, for all nations. Intercession. And we... We didn't get into it, but in the Lord's Prayer, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, the very nature of the Lord's Prayer is intercession. The wording of it, give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. It's, all, it's very powerful in that way. God is looking. The scriptures say, the prophets say that God is always looking. He's been looking for you. He's been looking for you. He was looking for you when you were a lost sheep. And now you've been found. And you have relationship with him. And now because you have relationship with him, has he stopped looking for you? No, he hasn't. 
But this time he's looking for a different reason. He's not looking for you because you're lost. He's looking for you because he wants to partner with you to be that intercessor, stand in the gap with him, with him. I'm going to read these scriptures quickly and then I'm going to call Jim up to go how important that intercession is. But this is God calling us to stand in the gap. Ezekiel 22. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have wronged the poor and the needy. Is this sounding familiar? They have oppressed the foreigner who lives among them and denied them justice. What is the cry today, huh? But God says, I looked for a man from among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap. That's what intercession is. A big gap, a big breach in the wall, and he's looking for someone to fill it and stand in there between the two from one side to the other. He said, I'm looking for someone to repair the wall, stand in the gap on behalf of the land so that they w- I would not destroy it, but I have, there's the saddest five words you'll see, but I found no one. Do we have anyone today? We have anyone in the house? Were we finding them here? We find them here. Will we find them in Clovis Gateway? We will find them in Clovis Gateway. We will stand in the gap. Isaiah 62, 6. The message says, I've posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. Day and night, they keep at it praying, calling out, reminding God to remember. They are to give him, listen to this, these watchmen, they are to give him no peace until he does what he said. Are you kidding me? You mean you have an authority to be a pest to God himself? You actually can come up and pull on his robe and wake him up to step up? God, remember what you said. God, I'm remembering what you said. I'm remembering what you said today. I take you at your word. I I am calling you out, Lord. I'm calling you out to fulfill your word. I didn't say it. You said it. God delights in that. He wants that. That's a joy to him that his kids come like that. (laughs) That's what the prophet, they don't give him peace until he makes Jerusalem famous as the city of praise. And we could go into a whole message of Abraham and what he did. Abraham, what an intercessor he was. He was an intercessor who stood before God on behalf of Sodom. And yes, he had an invested interest, I know. He had had his nephew there on the outskirts. He had family. He was invested. So yeah, he wanted him spared. But you know what? That's why we want him spared too. 
Let me, <laughs> I got to read it to you because in the message, I love the way it says it. When they were getting ready, the, these angels or these men were getting ready to put judgment on Sodom and, and Abraham was going to stand in the way. It says, the men set out for Sodom, but Abraham stood in God's path, blocking his way. That's right. That's a picture of Abraham actually getting, doing the chest thing right up next to the angel. Not on my watch. I need a moment. I need a moment. Hold on. And then he turns. Abraham confronted him. That's what it says. And then he says this in the message. Are you serious? Are you planning on getting rid of the good people right along with the bad? We can do this, folks. And of course, there's Moses. Moses, of course, I love Moses. He just, he fought for Israel every time God wanted to snuff him out. In fact, so much so that he says, you want, you want a piece of them? You take a piece of me. You take me out. Don't take them out. Me first. Wow. Really? Come on, I'm telling you the truth. This is what it says. This is the kind of authority that God has given us to partner with him. How important is intercession? Very important. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve. I feel like I'm uh, halftime following John Madden here. And I'm going to call you... <laughs> Coach. <laughs> and that's, that's why I won't call that one. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> uh, well, I have the privilege this morning to address you, and I do any time that I have an opportunity to share uh, a portion of the gospel. It's a great privilege, and it's a great responsibility, too. So I would appreciate as we talk about intercession that you'd intercede for me that I do a good job and this is a blessing for you. So we've been talking about pray like this and uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Jan have given us many marvelous examples of how to pray. And it's uh, my privilege to talk a little bit about how important intercession is. It, it really is how important prayer is. And of course we all know that that God has declared his church a house of prayer. That's what we are, among many other things. But perhaps first and foremost, we're a house of prayer because the whole world depends upon the power of our prayer that is made powerful through the relationship that we have through Jesus. A definition of intercession is actually kind of challenging to find a good definition on the five or six different dictionaries, Webster's and Bible dictionaries and all that. But uh, Pastor David did part of this, so I know it's good. Uh, it's the action of intervening on behalf of another. The word intercene means to make a bold appeal on behalf of others. It denotes empathy and compassion and personal involvement. It, it's, it's different than just 
witnessing or seeing somebody and feeling sorry for them. That's sympathy, and that's a beautiful um, emotion that God's given us, but it's pale in comparison to empathy. People are even insulted sometimes when we say, I feel for you, brother or sister. That's really hard. But when the person that we're talking to or praying with, ministering to, believes that we're touching what they feel, no one can completely walk in the shoes of another except for Jesus. But the Holy Spirit does give us the ability to touch and feel the heart and the soul, the pain, or the joy, whatever it is that the person that we're focused on, that the Holy Spirit's focused on, and we're partnering with, we feel that. And when, when that's believable, when it's real, we're ministering. We're ministering right from the heart of God, and it makes a difference. It's healing. How important is intercession? Let me ask you, how important is the welfare of our children? Especially right now, we're, we're literally in a battle over what they're being taught. We're in a battle for their mind, for what they're learning, and what they will believe. How important it is to your marriage. All your relationships, your relationship with your children, if you're a parent, with your brothers and sisters, maybe you're estranged from them. Maybe they're sick and your heart's broken for them. How, how important is your family, your, your friends, this church? How about our community, this city, and the county of Fresno? and all the homelessness and the hopelessness and the huge um, needs. How important is it that your children stay drug-free, that they get sober, that they get back to God? There's no way to measure how important those things are to us and to God. You know, we don't feel anything that God doesn't feel. Intercession is important because many people right around us in our communities, in our relationships, sometimes even in our church, sometimes the person we've been sitting next to for years in church has not yet come to know Jesus as Savior. We don't know. I was in awe one time at a four-square pastor's convention of thousands, and Tommy Barnett was the keynote speaker, and he dared to do an altar call for unsaved. <laughs> I thought, what in the world is he doing? I was amazed to see quite a few men walk forward, each one a pastor. Praise God that he had that courage, that he had that insight. Church, we're the best when we're praying for each other. We're at our very best. We're, at, we're, at, we're strong when we're praying for one another. I was really blessed growing up 
had the, the, the most wonderful Christian mother. Uh, wonderful because she taught us how to pray, literally. L- literally, my first memories as a child were being in a little Bible study. She didn't call it that, but we would just gather around here like little chicks around a mother hen. And she literally would teach us how to pray. She prayed when I was a little child for my future wife. She actually prayed in Kathy for me. (laughs) She didn't call it intercession, but of course it was. One day, she said to me, as I came home from school, I don't know why she thought it was the time, but she said, Jimmy, that's what she called me. You don't get to do that. But <laughs> She said, do you know that we are to pray without ceasing? That's a little hard for me to get that around my head even now, but I thought about it, and I said, well, Mom, how can we pray continually without ceasing? There's a lot of things that keep us busy. And she said to me, one day when you become a father, you will know that you can not pray without ceasing. Well, at 20 years old, I became a father. I was working at General Motors on the assembly line building trucks. Boy, I hated that job, but I was thankful for it. And I got a phone call that Kathy, who was six months pregnant about, was being rushed to the hospital and that the baby might be coming. And I knew there might be a problem because we'd seen the doctor. But, uh, well, up until that moment, I never had a more emotional, more urgent um, crisis in my life. And so I threw all my tools down and We still had payphones in, and I threw a bunch of money into the payphone, and I called, and I got in my car and drove uh, at terribly fast speeds in the rain to get to the hospital. And anyhow, as things unfolded, Kathy had the baby. Uh, My son Dennis was born at three pounds, one ounce, about three months early. And in those days, people didn't make it. Uh, they didn't have the technology. The doctors told me uh, he's not going to make it. If he does make it, it won't be good. He won't be normal. He won't function. He won't have a functioning brain. And I'm just almost a man, maybe, at 20. <laughs> but I was really angry. And I told the doctor, no. You don't know. You don't know my God. And up until this time, I never prayed with a fervency, with an urgency. I didn't get mad at God, but I just implored him, said, God, I'm looking so forward to this baby. Don't let the enemy take him from me and from my wife. And I didn't know what the word intercession even meant then, to be honest with you, but I did know how to pray. I knew my Jesus, and I believed that he was going to save my baby. We didn't get to touch him for two months, eight weeks. Every single day, we 
prayed. And every single day we interceded. We did spiritual warfare. Um, we enlisted mom and dad and brothers and sisters and friends, and they all interceded with Kathy and I. And we began to see the miracle power of intercessory prayer. Now, not every prayer I've prayed has been answered, of course, and I know that's true for all of us. But how marvelous it is when we partner with the Holy Spirit and we pray what God wants to do. And, boy, I get, I get upset when I hear that uh, love's not an emotion or that it's just a choice. Well, it is a choice. But, my God, your God is an emotional God. He feels, he invented feelings, emotions. He's, he's full of emotion. He is full of love and compassion. And he delights with the opportunities to show us, to demonstrate how much that he loves us. My son uh, was born. We brought him home at uh, four pounds, 11 and something fraction of ounces. <laughs> he was tiny and he was shriveled up. He kind of looked like a little old man. We said he was beautiful. He, he, wa he wasn't. <laughs> but he's really handsome now. And he's a fine man. He's a wonderful husband. He's, uh, I'm so proud of him as a father. And, uh, and I love to receive his phone calls where he just shares with me what God is sharing with him. And it's, uh, it's, the, best. it's the best in life. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy that I, the thing that I want you to do is to pray. To pray every way you know how, for everyone that you know, Pray especially for rulers and governments. Go ahead, do we need that, Lord? That they will rule well so that we can live quietly about our business in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior wants us to live. I don't know how humble I am as I've been praying for some of our leaders, but I do pray for them, and God wants us to, and it's not hopeless. Uh, Christ is the victor. We're, we're going to be okay. Intercession, as, as Pastor Steve was saying, is not just the work of, of a group of women. Usually that's what I, I've experienced in the church, and it's been marvelous. We've, uh, I, at the church that I was an associate pastor for about 15 years. We had a, a large group of women, 25, 30, sometimes 50. And boy, they, they really, uh, they prayed. They prayed loudly. They prayed with fervency. They prayed with great urgency. And I've got to tell you that in the life of a pastoral team that is very much aware of what's going on in the lives of people, and sometimes it's pretty, it's just not good stuff. It's hard stuff. And to know that those women, a couple of times there was men, but to know that those mighty women were praying and interceding for the ministry teams, for this senior pastor and all the pastors, it gave me a lot of comfort. It, 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 uh, it gave me peace to know that I wasn't in this alone or just with a few pastors, that there was literally an army of, of powerful women praying for us and for the church. Intercession is important for a lot of reasons, but one is because God uses it to change people's hearts. 
to change people's thinking, to change the way they behave. It literally has changed the destiny for America. And with our prayers, with our intercession, I believe that God will, will change the hearts of leadership yet again. I, I believe that we're going to pull out of this and that God will be proclaimed from the White House. That's my prayer. And I believe that we're not going to have schools that are teaching nonsense and evil things. I believe that teachers will, again, proclaim that Jesus is Lord in our public schools. Because we're praying for that. And God's hearing it. And that's his heart, too. It's going to happen. Oswald Chambers, the wonderful author and just a wonderful pastor, a wonderful writer. He said that prayer does not equip us for greater works it is the greater work. Don't ever allow yourself to think that your prayers are little or puny or insignificant. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. The devil shakes when we pray. Believe that. It's the truth. Intercessory prayer is important because as Christians, as followers of Christ, as disciples, that's what we are called to be. That means we're to be like Jesus. Jesus is the intercessor, the great intercessor. He's our advocate. He stands in the gap in heaven still today where Satan, the accuser of you and me, he's a liar, but he stands before that courtroom, in that courtroom, and he says, these people are awful. They're sinners. They can't be in heaven. But Jesus, our advocate, he cries out, mm, that's not true. I died for them. I have paid the ransom. Here's the receipt. Look at my nail-scarred hands. They've been bought by a price. They've been cleansed by my blood. I was crucified and I died, but I've risen. I'm alive, and so are they. Intercession is not just what Jesus did. It's who he is, and that's who we should be too. When Jesus was ministering on this earth, he didn't just pray great prayers. Of course, he did that. He walked among the people. He paused. He stopped. Some of the greatest miracles were on the way to the event where he met people. He met cripples. He met blind. He met deaf. And he stopped, and he, and he prayed with them. He interceded for them. He laid hands on them, and he healed them. We aren't seeing a whole lot of that, but that's what Jesus wants us to do. That's what we can do if we intercede. In James 5, 13 and following in the New Living Version, just read a portion of it. It says, are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are, are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church and come and pray over you to intercede over you, anoint you with oil, and with oil in the name of the Lord, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well. It goes on to say that we should confess our sins one to another. It goes on to say that Prayer is 
not like, but is a lightning rod. It's a live wire. It's a connection with the one and only who can meet every need and restore everything that we may have lost. The Bible is full of wonderful examples of intercession. There's a story, many stories of Moses, but one is really about Miriam, the first prophetess, the first woman to uh, be declared prophet, one of the few. Mighty woman of God, she actually saved Moses' life as a baby, that wonderful story. But later on in the journey in the desert, she began to grumble with her brother Aaron, God didn't like it very much. Aaron was wise enough to repent, and apparently Miriam went on to uh, grumble and criticize uh, the choice of the woman that Moses married. And um, anyhow, God struck her with leprosy. And Moses, even though he was the victim of this uh, maligning conversation and uh, not so good uh, experience, he interceded for Miriam because he loved her. It didn't matter to him that she'd been misbehaving. It didn't matter that she had sinned. What mattered to him is his little sister, excuse me, his big sister, was sick, and she needed to be healed. And he reached out to God in prayer, and he cried out, and he said, please heal my sister. Please heal her. And God, out of his heart of compassion, did that. That she's made whole. Thank you, Pastor Steve and Jan, for the privilege of, uh, of sharing. Thank you, Pastor. I think we're realizing that this is not something that we do. This is something that we are. Just as the body of Christ is, we are part of that body, but this is what we are. It's being present. Uh, to just really simplify it, being an intercessor is first and foremost being present. You're there. And if I'm there, I'm interceding. And what a wonderful, wonderful thing it is. I'm going to uh, close with, okay, so how can God use us as intercessors? And I do believe that there does need to be a first, a response on our part. Because remember I told you that intercession is not a gift. Intercession is a calling. It's an invitation. And I think both through the words that have come from this pulpit and Pastor Jim too, and that we are receiving, hopefully we are receiving the call. To not be AWOL. To be absent. You know, I was thinking about, actually during worship, I had to 
very visual picture of when Jesus was in the garden on the night he was betrayed. Betrayed and as you know, he was travailing. He was praying. He was laboring. He was warring over himself in the will of the Father to go to the cross. And it was there that he was even looking for an intercessor because he came to his friends, his disciples, and he, when he turned to them and he found them asleep. That intercessor was asleep. So may, you know, perhaps that's the day we're living in right now. Major crisis. God's getting ready to do something. And may we not be found sleeping at the most critical time. This is the most critical time that if ever we need to be awake, we need to be awake. And not just for intercession, but even praying for ourselves that we'll be ready, we'll be prepared. Because Jesus said, couldn't, hey guys, couldn't you watch with me? That's what he means. Couldn't you intercede with me for one hour? Couldn't you watch with me just for one hour? And then he turned it a little bit and said, you need to pray that you don't enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but oh, how weak the flesh is. That's why we need to intercede. That's why we need to really be in prayer and not fall asleep. So God's calling us. Let's stand together. mind indulging me a little bit put your hands over your heart for all of us it's very personal on what moves you what moves you because intercession is birthed by what moves you that emotion that passion the pastor Jim so eloquently demonstrated, even in a personal story. That that was his moment. That was Kathy's moment. That they had something that was moving them to stand before God and say, God, come on. Don't let the enemy do this. God, let there be life. Let there be a fulfillment. Let this child come healthy. You, all of us will have those moments that something will move you. And that's where intercession is really born. And I'm praying that the Lord will broaden, broaden our well, deepen our well. Of course we're going to be passionate about our own family. But may the Lord do an extra deep work in our hearts to feel as passionately for those that don't know Jesus. 
even the stranger and the foreigner and even, you know, people that you would never, never necessarily hang out with. To touch us, Lord, touch us with the passion and love and compassion of you, Lord, that you would call us and move us to intercession. Move us to cry out. Move us to call upon you. Oh God, move us. Do a deeper work. Lord, dig this well deeper and broader. Let us feel what you feel. As someone prayed a long time ago, may our heart break with the things that breaks your heart. May our heart break with the things that breaks your heart. That way, I tell you, you say, you sometimes will say, I don't know what to pray. Pray with what is breaking your heart. Let that move you. Let that direct you. Because those are the prayers that the Lord hears. Lord, touch our hearts. Touch our hearts with more and more love and compassion that moves us to not just have tears, but moves us to cry out and call out on their behalf. In Jesus' name.